Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, financial domination and car sounds. Everyone has a different style. Um, I'm less of a demanding type dominatrix um, and more of a like, you want to do this for me because of XYZ. And I would describe most of the like financial domination scenes as less like planned um than most other scenes and more like uh sexy harassment 2020 got real weird let me tell you uh people were really bored in 2020 and 2021 i want to thank you so much for joining us if you get a chance subscribe leave us a rating or a review we really appreciate it It really helps us out if you're a new listener Welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is a dominatrix who specializes in a certain kind of domination. This is financial dominatrix, Ruby on Rails. What is financial domination? Uh, It sort of depends on who you ask, but it's dominating someone financially. Like, It's either taking direct control of their finances or having them buy you shit. Like how much money are we talking, I guess? Some people uh, only spend like $5 at a time. Some people spend thousands. What would you say would kind of be the average? Like if you looked at your average client, okay, they're going to probably be spending this much. Uh, Financial domination is not really like charging, if that makes sense. Um. Because the whole gravitas behind it is that you are not charging for a service. Somebody is willingly giving you something or you are um, engaging in some sort of like mental domination where like they feel um, force is the wrong word, but they feel inclined to do something for you. They're either giving it to you or, like, you're demanding it. Everyone has a different style. Um, I'm less of a demanding type dominatrix um, and more of a, like, you want to do this for me because of X, Y, Z. So what's the appeal? A lot of the people that I play with, it's a rush to do it. I mean, if you've ever gone shopping and spent, you know, a certain amount of money, it's like a rush. A lot of people have a shopping addiction. And for a lot of people, it's really humiliating to give a woman money for something they wouldn't, you know, ordinarily have. Like, I have people who um, give me money to have fun that they're not having. Does it go along with other kind of fetishes and kinks? Or is this kind of like, no, this is usually they're just going to be into this? Or is this kind of come with like a whole bag so to speak every single person is different but in my personal experience it tends to go with other kinks uh, like humiliation is a really common one so and that takes all sorts of different flavors like humiliation is just an umbrella i would put um force by in that category uh, forced being in air quotes. Yeah, yeah, like forced but not forced, right. Yeah, like, oh, mistress, forced me to do this thing I'm asking you to make me do. Um, and, like, cuckolding is often in that, feminization, sometimes, you know, quote-unquote blackmail. So is it is it sexual? Not directly, no. So how does this kind of ultimately work to where someone is doing their thing so to speak well a lot of bdsm is like that where it's very indirect where like you're not necessarily doing something with 
like by something, I mean um, something directly sexual with someone, like in a traditional sense, like a vanilla sense. Um, and by that, I mean like, you know, intercourse, that kind of deal. Um, like you may be doing something that is completely unrelated and unrecognizable on the surface to someone who's vanilla as sexual at all. You're like, why would you give a woman money and find that hot? I don't understand. Why would you spend more money than is, you know, in your budget? That makes no sense. Um, but I think what thin subs find hot about that is that it wasn't necessarily something they planned on doing. It wasn't necessarily something they quote unquote wanted to do at the beginning. Um, they felt like they had no control over the situation. They felt, you know, quote unquote manipulated into it. And that is the part that they find sexy. And sometimes they feel like lesser than the woman, but they look up to her, if that makes sense. So, and in the end of that act, or like in the end of like, you know, and interaction which sometimes can go on for like weeks right um then somewhere in the middle of that they might do their thing let's refer to it as doing their <laughs> yeah. thing um yeah do their thing is good i like so that. that would be the like where, what i kind of don't quite understand is like okay so if they're doing their mm -hmm. thing like what are they doing their thing to the act of like giving you ten ten dollars or something like that like <laughs> <laughs> they do it to that or they're doing it to the idea that they were they're doing it to you like what are they doing their thing to i guess would be the question of the whole, the whole thing of the it. Whole... like the like it's the idea they're doing their thing to um i like how i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> visual aid a corner. visual aid right oh yeah oh yeah someone's gonna do their thing to that later um because there are tons of videos of that, of women just doing this and saying, you are going to give me X amount of money for, because I exist and you want to make me happy. And that's a whole genre of porn, just by the by. And that is a thing that people do their thing to. But I, some of the people that I play with like to be humiliated like that, but what I... So to answer your question, what they're doing their thing to, lots of different things. The, lots of different things, but the whole the, thing at the same time. Like it's all yeah, an experience yeah, exactly. that kind of comes along with it. I think it's being humiliated. Do, would you say that kind of financial domination is fundamentally different than other kinds of domination? Not necessarily. I think it's just more um, popular because a lot of, you know, more popular for women to try to get into. Um because they saw it as like, oh, it's an opportunity for me to just make a social media account, post some hot pictures of myself, and then men will give me money. But it's much more nuanced than that. And uh, I mean, like, if you just insult a guy on the internet um, and say, you know, give me, you know, money from my Starbucks, like, it might happen. But um, financial domination is not as common a fetish for people to have as people think. The thing that makes it sometimes different is that oftentimes people will go too far with it. And then it will end up being sort of a destructive thing where, like, they will get themselves in trouble. Like, spending significantly too much. But that ends up also being a fetish, right? Like, towing the line of, like, is this actually a life problem for me how do you kind of i guess be responsible in that sense of like okay this person wants to give me 250 dollars, but they really can't afford it like how do you kind of make sure that you're not taking like taking real advantage of somebody like well i think in some cases it's impossible to know uh, unless you really know the person and if you're just having a one-off interaction with someone online, it's really difficult to know, right? And that is um, kind of a matter of personal responsibility, yours and theirs, right? Like if somebody is going around online interacting with 
any attractive woman and saying like, please, mistress, let me give you $200. Um, he's going to find someone who's going to take it. Right. Yeah. So like, and the way that I interact with people, like I try to not be, I try to not be pushy unless like it's a fun interaction and at the end of the day, if someone is really like no hard stop, like I just don't care. If I don't care, I mean like I'm not going to force somebody truly to do something that is bad for them. Can you kind of get a sense of somebody's like, hey man, this might be their, your last 500 bucks or something like that. Can you kind of get a sense of that? Uh, Not from a one-off interaction, right? Like – in some cases, certainly, yes. But, like, that's like, uh, you know them face-to-face, -face, right? Like, how can you tell over the internet? Like, from, like, a random Twitter account. There's no way to know. Where do you kind of, like, are most of your clients then, is it a virtual thing or is it in person when you look at the financial domination? Most financial domination stuff is online. So there's no way to know for sure. If we were to kind of like look at a normal or not normal, but in your average kind of client interaction, and if we need to like pretend I'm the client or whatever, like how does this usually go about? They contact you. What kind of – how does this work? Um, so some terminology, just basic BDSM terminology. Um, in a scene, um, the person who's doing the things is usually called the top and the person who's having the things done to them is usually called the bottom. A bottom is not necessarily a submissive, and the top is not necessarily uh, dominant. In my case, I trend towards dominant in pretty much everything. Um, but anyway, that aside, um, typically, like when I engage in financial domination scenes, they are like kind of playful. Like I will poke at some like fetish that someone has like let's say um someone like has a fetish for like cuckolding right um i'll make some joke about like oh it would be so terrible if like you paid for me to go out on a date with my girlfriend like it'd be awful if you did that like I can just imagine all the fun things we might do. You'd be enabling us to do that. And depending on how they engage with me, um, I'll take it in a different route. Like, if they engage with that line of, um, that line of thought, then um, I'll continue with it. And if they're just like, no, that is not what I'm into today, like, mm-mm. Uh, then I'll sort of try, you know, nipping away at something else. And I would describe most of the, like, financial domination scenes as less, like, planned um, than most other scenes and more, like, uh, sexy harassment, um, which is, I think, what a lot of people like about them is that it is um, very unexpected Kind of like when you get um, like a hot picture sent to you from someone that you're dating. It's less kind of a thing that like we're going to do this between like 10 and 11 o'clock and more kind of a thing yeah. like I'm going to send you a message randomly throughout the day. Be like Pretty pay much. for this coffee or something like that kind of along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm less like pay for this coffee kind of girl and more like I'm bored. I'm going to harass you and see if you'll buy my girlfriend a pair of shoes. And then <laughs> and then they'll usually like that's the thing then, right? Then they'll go ahead. How long will these kind of – if you were to take like an interaction with somebody from kind of start to beginning of that interaction, are we talking like one message, two message, three message, they're done? Or are we like do these things go on for a while or like – What's the time frame? Everyone is different. Sometimes it'll be like instantaneous, like, here you go, mistress, I bought the shoes. Or like, sometimes I'll have to chip away at it and it'll be like a couple of days, you know? And like, I don't mean like constant a couple of days. I mean like, I'll send them a message every now and again. But 
it's usually like not that many by my standards. So, and I suspect that like if I really truly cared um, and like was deeply invested in it, if I like did more of the like video call and phone call nature, it would be way less interaction. But I find the um, messaging back and forth and like sexy harassment thing to be very entertaining. Do you, now do you, do you personally kind of enjoy it from a sexual aspect? Like, is this something that you're into, for lack of a better phrase, or is this like this is something that I do and I'm good at? I mean, it's both. That's how I view all of the domination stuff. Is like it is sexy amusement. So. I like when people do things for me and like one thing that I particularly like is when people like quote unquote get more than they ask for. So it falls into that bucket even if it's like, I don't know, I really just only intended to buy you one coffee and I bought you four. Oh, but okay, I'm just going to ask you it. Like, would, did you ever do your thing to this, to like the interactions that you have? Um... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done that to like all sorts of different interactions. So with like things one wouldn't imagine, right? Like just from a vanilla standpoint, you're like, why would you do that? And it's less like the, um, for me, it's less about the like, oh, somebody gave me money or bought me a thing because who cares? It's stuff, right? Um, and more about the like, oh, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i don't know what it says but it says something like i can't put my finger on exactly like the terminology of what it says but like oh i get what that kind of implies right like or i get where that it's um you feel powerful yeah it's having somebody wrapped around your little finger to the point of where they will bend over backwards um and like do something that they personally find really degrading um, and is also expensive. So, and that they then afterwards feel like regret for is fun and hot, right? So, and like if they're truly like, I really can't afford this after the fact, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. Have you ever had somebody ask for their money back? Uh, from financial domination, no. I mean, in general, no. I think the whole thing about the financial domination thing and people getting in over their head is very similar to the thing about um, submissives who enjoy pain and who like feeling the bruise and the sting and like showing off bruises, right? It's like a reminder of the experience, which is fascinating and not really a thing I understood at the very beginning. Like, if I spend too much, I'm like, that's a mistake. I'm not doing that again. Like, uh, and I feel regretful i don't feel shame about it i just feel like an idiot are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions sure is this in any way related to sugar dating um i don't think so i think that some sugar babies um like to view it as similar and i've seen in a lot of communities online a lot of discussion of some transition over but um, in my opinion, no, because it's not really financial domination if you aren't really dominating somebody. Has anybody ever asked you to just take complete control of their finances? Frequently, yes. It's interesting to see what people spend money on. So when you like go over their go over their taxes and stuff, like what are you doing when you get asked that? Uh. Yeah, spreadsheets of expenses and stuff like that and budgeting, honestly. So what is that now? Is that a, like a subgenre of it? Is that called something different or is that no, that just falls under? That is a subgenre of financial domination and I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But yeah, that is definitely like an established subgenre. Um, with some people, that is a lot of overhead. What will you, well, like in that kind of situation, like what will you be doing? You'll just, you manage their finances entirely? I'd like to set people up with a plan personally. 
Um, and usually I like to leave people in those situations where like if they do happen to overspend on financial domination, they're not left like destitute. So I've um, put people in situations where like they actually have like large amounts of savings afterwards that they're not allowed to touch. And so you'd be like assigning, you can spend this much on this, this much on that. Like, how does that kind of, I mean, like you just help people make a realistic budget, right. And help people plan things out. And like, it's also not that hard to look at how to consolidate debt, right. Like if someone has a whole bunch of credit cards, um, the interest rates on those are astronomical. So you can, I mean, depending on what other options you have, you can consolidate those just directly through, um, I mean, you could get a home equity line of credit if you own a house um, or a different type of loan from your bank. There's a bunch of different options. Oh, it sounds... That's what's fascinating to me. It sounds like you're doing like a really good job when you manage their finances. Well, why why would I do a bad job for someone that is serving me? That's stupid. <laughs> I guess I just kind of thought along the lines of like, okay, I'm going to tell you what you can spend. I didn't think that you would be like telling them, hey, invest in a 401k or something like that. Well, I do that too. Like, hey, you should open a savings account at like these places because they have uh, – great rates and great returns. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so interesting for some reason that like being a good accountant, I thought it would be more just like along the sexual lines of like, I'm going to manage your money. I mean, personally, like someone is of no use to me if they are like destitute, they've, you know, ruined their job. Like they have a huge amount of debt and like they can't keep up with payments on anything. That's not useful to me. Like, they're way more useful to me if, like, they've sorted all that shit out and they're free of everything, right? And they have, like, a large amount of savings if they ever happen to make a freaking mistake. Like, right? Stability is totally priceless. Ain't that the truth? I think the reason that I had the reaction to it is because one of the first people we interviewed on the podcast was a dominatrix. And she had the best tax advice. And she, and I, she I use her accountant. <laughs> I'd assumed you'd be like, you can spend 500 on food this month or whatever. Not like, hey, you got to really, you got to you know, diversify your bonds or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I use either um, Vanguard or, oh God, what is the other one? Um, I use Wealthfront or Fidelity. Um, Fidelity does not charge fees. I don't use the apps because they are like, you know, the apps like Robinhood. Um because in case anything happens to be unstable, they um, kind of upset the market, if that makes sense. Like, your trades won't necessarily go through. I know a lot of people in finance and a lot of people in tech. So, yeah. What is your most frequent request? Uh, my most frequent request is mistress, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> whatever pleases you is honestly my most frequent request at this point in time i used to get like when i was younger i used to get very hyper specific requests about like oh i have this like xyz fantasy and like i don't know a lot of my requests are like let's have a good time together or like i don't know sometimes i get requests of like people wanting to learn something new so I think it tends to fall into one of those two buckets. Is there one that you would stand that stands out to you or like an experience in the financial domination aspect that you would say that was either my most interesting or one that kind of jumps out at me? Like I still remember this interaction with this person. I'm trying to think back to like 2020 because 2020 was funny. Um, 2020 got real weird, let me tell you. Uh, people were really bored in 2020 and 2021 because um, the market, again, was, like, up and people were just, like, lighting money on fire. Um, so I ended up with a lot of things. Like, um, I recently discovered that like part of my Amazon wish list, I didn't set the settings right. So I kept getting multiples of everything. So I have like 
more Halloween costumes than Spirit Halloween. Um, like, way more. Like, one person bought everything that was on there, and then there were multiples of everything else. So, like, it's insane. I mean, I, like, have someone who, um, and several people, actually, who, like, now have large amounts of savings as a result. Of of you kind of taking over their accounts? Yeah. How much like how much have money have you saved them, do you think? If you had to put a number on it? Um tens of thousands. It kind of seems like people should just do this f- from a business standpoint, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, this isn't my thing, but I'm starting to be like, Do you wanna manage my finances? <laughs> like it seems like you're doing a good job. Um most amount of money somebody's ever given you at one time. Uh, ooh. Not sure I want to say that on. <laughs> Can you say three figures, four figures, five figures, six, seven? Can you put a figure on? Uh, definitely not seven. I don't think six either. What would you say? Like, kind of, what's the most frequent denomination? Are we talking like under a hundred, over a hundred? What are people? Definitely over a hundred. Like for financial domination, it's usually um, at least for me over five. Are women interested in this? Uh, yeah, surprisingly. I mean, women are interested in everything, right? Like anything a man is interested in, a woman is interested in too. Like was that was not a thing I thought originally. And then I have a friend with a very strong foot fetish, uh, which like was kind of eye-opening to me when I first interacted with her at a party but that made me ruminate a bit on um you know women having kinks but do you have cl- do you have clients who are women mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients that are women if you had to put a percentage on it are we talking like 70% men 30% women 60 40 what do you think it would be I'd say it's probably more like 90-10. That's still more than I would have thought it would be. Yeah, but it definitely comes in waves where like I'll go a bit without seeing women and then like my entire schedule of women. What would you say makes someone a good financial dominatrix? Uh, I mean, I think what makes anyone a good dominatrix actually is having compassion and being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes from a standpoint of like understanding what exactly you are asking of someone and exactly what the kink is right so like it's again it's not as simple as like oh he's just gonna give me money and it's not as simple as like oh, i'm just gonna make him more panties so there's a bit of complexity to everything. Um, that's pretty much all the questions that we have. Is there anything that you kind of think that we missed or anything like that? Right, like um, <clears throat> when somebody talks about like, okay, do they usually want it combined with something else? Like will you usually say to somebody, you need to send me $250 and then put on women's underwear? Or is it more just kind of confined to like send me $250 so I can go out to eat or something like that? Like do you come – It all depends. Depends on the person. Like – yeah, it all depends. Like, um, sometimes it's just standalone, um, but in that instance, it will be standalone. And um, sometimes you can can or do add an element of humiliation into it, right? And that humiliation can be like honestly anything. Are these people that are doing this, like, are they they single? Are they usually in a relationship with somebody else? Like, do you get the sense that these are men with girlfriends, women with girlfriends, etc.? I think most of the people that I interact with tend to be, at least in, like, the financial domination situation, um, are single, um... It does get a little bit weird when they're in relationships, honestly. Uh, And some people, some uh, 
dominatrixes take it in the direction of like, oh, I'm so much hotter than your wife, blah, 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 blah. But like, I also think that's derogatory towards women and I'm pretty anti anything that's derogatory towards women. So. Yeah, that kind of gets into... That's a no-no for me. It gets mm-hmm. into some... And that's not a no-no for me, like, um, oh my god, how could you ever? But, like, I just don't like saying things that are mean towards other women, because I think that we should just sort of keep it towards being mean to people who are doing things for us who like it when we're mean to them, not to just everyone. And also, like, why drag somebody into this who did not fucking consent to it like yeah it's just it's just enabling bad behavior yeah i had somebody ask me once to like encourage him to like jack off into his wife's coffee without like her permission and i was like absolutely not um that's pretty much all the questions that we have is like if people want to learn more about this if they're interested in being a client, what should they do? That kind of stuff. Um, my website is rubylovesyou.com. Uh, and beware of catfish pretending to be me on basically any website. I want to thank Ruby so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included her information in the episode description. The YouTube version of this interview will be live on November 16th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. When you left school, do you think that you were ready for real life? Do I think I could have made it? Yes. Do I think I was ready when I left high school? Absolutely not. And it's... It's kind of a bigger rant for me. However, I don't think they teach common sense and things you need to know in high school. That way, for a person graduating high school, just to be able to get right out and, uh, and you know, join the world. I think that you learn how things are supposed to be. I don't think that you learn how things actually are. Nobody, like, tells you, like, look, no, this is how this really works. Nobody, you know, you don't take a cooking class, I don't think, anymore. You should be able to know how to manage bills and money. Um, the difference between credit and debit and in f- percentages. I think, though, that honestly, those kind of things are things that people tried to teach you. You just weren't ever in an age, myself included, to pay any attention to it. Because I, you had plenty of opportunities to learn those things, right? Like, you could have been with your parents and learned how to cook. Or if you ask them, like, how do you balance a checkbook? I think that you had the opportunity to learn those things. You just didn't do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I'm sure something was said by my economics teacher about APRs and financing. And, of course, right, you're a, you're a young person. You're just like, oh, that doesn't matter. And then come to find out it does. Right. You're never able to listen to the things that you're supposed to be paying attention to. <laughs> it's only, like, 10 years later that you realize, like, oh, I should have probably learned that. I think the biggest thing that I kind of wasn't prepared for was I had always thought that, okay, the people older than you are going to know what they're talking about. Like your managers are going to know what they're doing. Hard work is going to get you where you, you want to go. <laughs> and like none of those things were true. Like nobody ever told you the truth that like, look, you're going to be surrounded by people who are in positions of authority, but they're actually idiots. And <laughs> all this hard work of the American dream kind of not really true. And I, I don't want people to think that we're being hard or, or you know, or like just having a grim outlook. But it's absolutely true that a lot of times your bosses, at least to start out with when you're a younger person and impressionable, probably are, are, aren't going to know as much as you think they do or give you the advice that you think they should give you. Um, but part of that to me is finding yourself, right? Uh, however, I think that's different than being – in school, graduating, and uh, trying to go into the real world. I, I've always, having gone through a four-year college, I'm not sure what college really does, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it it, it, it kind of tells you maybe what you're interested in, but I, I'm, I feel like most four-year universities, you can do the same thing and be done in two years and start your career. College, I think, is essentially a personal reference without a person behind it. 
It's a piece of paper that says you can be trained to do a job. That's that's what college ultimately is at the end of it. I don't think it's a, for most professions. I don't think it's about learning how to do the actual ins and outs of anything. I think it's about saying, hey, you now have a piece of paper that says you can be trained how to do another job. <laughs> Here you go. $85,000 later. Or I it's, don't even know what college costs for four years anymore. It's probably a $100,000 piece of paper that says, yes, I can be trained. It's essentially somebody yeah. signing off on you. That's really all college is. Someone who's signing off on you saying, this person has some level of intelligence. They can take a task and they can complete it. That's all college is. It's not about learning anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair to say. Um, I, I, st- I still think that most colleges are, are money grabs and it should not cost $150,000 to become a doctor. Uh, but w- what do I know? Well, yeah, man, that's like that's that's a whole political rant we can go on for days, right? Like you set up a system in a certain way. If the whole system is set up to make as much money as possible, everybody's going to try to make as much money as possible. You know what would be a lot more fun is if the Hunger Games were real and they put like 20 aspiring doctors in a in a in, a, in an arena and we're like the last one standing gets an automatic, you know, d- degree. You don't even have to go to school. I think that's a terrible idea because then you're going to be operated on by a doctor who's just the toughest person there. That's a terrible or, idea. That's obviously one of the worst. No, it's terrible. <laughs> like if you want to apply that to another profession, no, any I want somebody who knows what they're doing doing just about anything. I don't right, ever fine, want some fine. idiot doing something. Fine, let's stick 20 bank tellers in an arena then. Oh, right? so look, oh, now you're messing with my money. I want somebody who knows what they're doing. This whole idea is a terrible way to do things. But it would be fun, right? It would be entertaining. Well, yeah, but can't we just do it with people who don't need to do fundamental aspects of societal things? People don't have to die. Like, we can just taser them or I don't care about them them living or dying. I don't want them handling my taxes. Here's a follow-up question for you. So if there was any profession that you think – uh, requires school or coming right out of high school and having known a, a certain skill set, would it be somebody in the financial industry? Is- no, I think that that's all just a bunch of people essentially legalized gambling. I don't think <laughs> that anybody in the financial industry really knows what they're doing. Like picking stocks, I think that's basically just gambling. But I think that you have to have people who know what they're doing, whether that's like a doctor or a carpenter, right? Like you got you have people need to know how they're what what they're working on. Yeah, I mean, once again, anyone can hammer a nail into the floor, but that's not know. fucking true. I sure can I can't build anything. I couldn't build a no. damn thing. I have no skills whatsoever. I mean, listen, I'm not the most skilled person, but I feel like if that was my only job was to learn how to do stuff like that, then maybe maybe I could do it. My grandpa always used to say, work with your brain or your back. Pick which one you want to do. Oh, that's actually a great saying. I thought about that for a half second. I was trying to think of something funny to say, but that's actually... A- yeah, it's a really great saying. And it's not one of those things where like you make it up, it's your saying, but you just attribute it to your grandpa because then people will listen to you. Like That's what he really used to say. It's like decide early if you want to work with your brain or your back. There's no shame in either one, man. Everybody's got, like, some of the most important jobs in society are some of the blue-collar jobs, right? Like, you think plumbing ain't important until you flood your house. (laughs) Until you got shit coming out of a valve somewhere that you don't know why that's happening. Suddenly the plumber's the smartest man in the world. You got to have a guy. Everybody needs to have a guy. It's a whole other rant, but I've never understood why we seem to demean like that, like certain jobs, like a plumber, right? Like it's always the same picture that they always put out as this big oversized person with their ass crack hanging out, like trying to fix a toilet. Like I've never seen a plumber like that. And actually they're very uh, needed and helpful. It's just all perception, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is some like, okay, some jobs you could learn how to do maybe easier than other ones, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. I've tried to learn how to do any kind of trade work, and I couldn't put together a desk from Ikea. It's oh, just, well, man, it's, it's just perception, right? Like some jobs are perceived as being easier, so they pay less money. Like, Teaching is one of the hardest things you can do. We don't pay educators shit. Oh, it's Listen, we don't, we don't go on rants, especially politically motivated ones, but I got to tell you, that is one thing I would, I would campaign for forever is teachers 
need they need more. I mean, I don't. They should be paid a lot more money. I just have a firm belief to finish this whole conversation up. I just have a firm belief that you are never taught or learn the one thing that you need to actually know or learn. Whatever situation you're in in life, you're never taught the one thing that you need to know or you never learn the one thing that you need to know. And then 10 years later, you're like, man, <laughs> wish I would have known that. Okay. All right, let's get some shout-outs here. Uh, we're going to start off with Eric Ingman, Josh O'Brien, Carl Fier, Davin Garamella. Don't don't see a lot of Davins usually. Uh, Albert Wagland, Austin Smith, Christopher Lewis, Gabrielle Mayer, George Mata, and Anthony Costa. Appreciate all of you. And uh, listen, if you haven't subscribed to her socials, you should check it out because they're pretty awesome. And we're about to hit a couple of milestones on a few of them. So oh. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it because Nick sure thinks I jinx everything. But uh, you do. if you haven't subscribed, you definitely should. I, and I know you always kind of give it a shout out anyways uh, to do so. But I'm asking you to. John Mother and Shoal is asking you to this time. Help oh, us out. Okay. Well, I'm watching this subscriber or follower or whatever count you're talking about. <laughs> rack it up. Because you jinx everything and saying I don't, I'm not going to jinx it. You know what? And then this is jinxing it. I tell you're what, a jinxer. This, this, I'm going to lead this into my second. This, you know, I'm going to make this a question, uh, for, or, or, or you can say a statement. I used to be superstitious, like when I was a younger person. I am not anymore. I'm not superstitious, but I have a firm belief in the idea that once you try to grab something, it slips away from you. Because I, I think I, that once you kind of sit back a little bit and reflect on your success or possible success, you get a little bit lazy. I think that once you kind of acknowledge a possibility as it's ramping up, it slips away from you because you kind of check out a little bit. That's what I think. So I just watched a show called Bodies on Netflix. You should check it out if you haven't. It's a Couldn't get a, into that, actually. Oh, you actually checked it out, even though it's, it kind of has a horror, a horror like uh, element to it. A little bit. Not much, but a little bit. You've got to – okay, if you start a show, when are you – when are you going to back out of it? Like, how far will you get into a show that you're not going to finish before you decide this isn't for me? I don't, actually, because I'm one of those people that will spend two days trying to figure out if there's a show I want to watch. And I watch all the trailers. I see who's in it. I, sometimes I'll read the Wikipedia to see, like, how it actually ends, and then I'll watch it. Like, I'll commit. Um, I do have to tell you though, that the limited series that are coming out, like, like bodies, I think was like six episodes or whatever. I think there is going to be a season two, but whatever. Um, that's so much more appealing to me Mm. than like investing my time in like a 20 episode season of something. I can't imagine myself watching a TV show that has multiple seasons that goes beyond three seasons. I can't even imagine it. I pretty much only watch limited series. Like I want this whole thing to be done. In five episodes or six episodes. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree. I think it's smart. I think the filmmakers and TV show uh, folks are getting it. You know, quicker quicker results, less attention span, and we'll see what happens. Anyways, what I was getting to originally was uh, one of the characters in there basically says that nothing is by chance. Everything is predetermined. And the older I get, I'm starting to absolutely think that way, that, you know, you're born with certain genetics. You're basically born with the map of your life before yeah, you even much. before you even say a word. And that's why I don't think superstitions are necessarily applicable anymore. I can kind of see that. I agree with it in the sense that your life is kind of all mapped out for you pretty early on. It's basically a combination of genetics in your environment. And unless you get really lucky it's pretty easy to see where you're going to kind of end up. You're going to basically be your parents unless something really changes. I kind of think that all people are basically the same. The person at the top would be the person at the bottom if they were faced with the same circumstances and vice versa. I don't think that people are really special. We all would make the same decisions given the same resources and abilities. I mean, shit, I I still think people who are special and wealthy and powerful still aren't special. So it doesn't matter. Oh, I agree. all right, a couple of things here for you. One, um, I feel like I had a good intro there, but now I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, 
the what's the more regrettable tattoo? A full on like just uh, full sleeve, but it's just the black ink. Like there is, it's just you know, it's just literally a black sleeve of ink. A forehead tattoo, or a tramp stamp. Oh, a forehead tattoo, dude. I mean, that's a pretty easy answer. Like that's right on your face. Anything else, you can be hidden up. I would love to know like a percentage on what percentage of people regret the tattoos they got. That that's the thing. I feel like because you know you see a lot. Like I'm I'm gonna use Jelly Roll as an example. The artist, the singer, the dude has all kinds of face tattoos. And you're telling me that if he loses a lot of weight, he's a bigger guy. Like those aren't gonna look fucked up. Or or if he gets older, they're just not gonna naturally fade, and he's they're gonna look terrible. Face tattoo is a really hard thing. To- I, 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 look, if tattoos are your thing, they've just never personally been mine only because I could never think of anything that I really wanted to get. But like face tattoo is a big move. Yeah, It's a big move. Yeah. Like, listen, like you said, I'm not hating on you if you have them like good on you. I just, I have to tell you that not that my opinion matters, but I don't think I've ever seen one, like a person with a, a face tattoo, like on their forehead where I've gone. Okay. That that's awesome. That's all right. I can see that. It's always like, oh shit! Like that's that's not a good look. It's kind of crazy that in hindsight, Mike Tyson's face tattoo was is probably the best fa- face tattoo. <laughs> and that's not saying much, by the way. So that's just not something I would personally do. I'd like to hear from somebody mm-hmm. who's gotten a face tattoo. Like, man, how do you just make that decision? That's a tough one. All right, second second matter of business. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. Do you think it's real? Uh, I think that it might be real, but it is the most manufactured PR relationship that I've ever seen. It's weird how all of the cameras just happen to be in exactly the... Like, John and I both worked... John still does. I used to work in news, and I started out as a photographer, and the interesting thing to me about it is you can see that all of these leaked photos or secret photos or filmed photos all suddenly have these perfect eye lines. Like, all of this is staged. It's all played up. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not, but it's certainly a played up thing. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think it's real at all. However, I say that because kind of loosely following Taylor Swift's love life for the last two decades... It seems like she really falls head over heels for whoever, and it always ends the same. So I have no, I have no faith that this one will be different. I feel like that's just all public relations. Could be, could absolutely be. She fascinates me in one regard only, and that is a symbol and writes about is a symbol for a life that she has never lived, in the sense that most of her songs are about being kind of your average person in high school. And she was in country music, but I think that she was born to a wealthy family in Philadelphia or New York, never had any country roots, never lived any kind of normal middle-class upbringing. She essentially sings about and portrays a reputation of a life that she has never lived. Wow, you said that very eloquently. Yeah, I, that's very the well. one thing that I don't understand about it, right? It's endlessly singing about a life that you have never lived. It's pandering. I almost don't even want to continue. I feel like we should just end the show. We should just stop the the whole show? Okay. All right. uh, Last question. This kind of ties into our top five. I was just wondering this. Uh, What is your dream car? One with four wheels. That's such a bullshit answer. I don't care. I could care less about cars. I don't have a single dream car that I've ever thought of. Every time that I have bought a car, I've bought three cars. And in all three circumstances, I went to the dealership and was like, all right, this is the one that I want. Give me the most basic model. Like, well, we have this. Does it have – don't care. Like, well, you want to get power windows on the truck? No, I can reach right across. I don't have it. I could care less about a car. The only car that I need is a vehicle that has four wheels and gets me to where I'm going. Reliable. A reliable car is my dream car. I could care less. Why did I, why did I just know you were not going to have any kind of interesting answer at all to that? They're all the same to me. Any car, I don't. I think that all cars. My wife's car, which is a Toyota Highlander, Prius. to me, it's a Highlander. You're not gonna have a Prius with four people. Toyota Highlander is the best 
car anyone would ever possibly need. Like you don't need anything in life beyond that. It's I think it's like forty five thousand dollars. It has everything you need. I don't think that you yeah. need to. I don't think you need anything more than a forty five thousand dollar car. The question wasn't what vehicle is practical. What's what's good for normal people? It's just you've never once in your life been like, man, I really would love an Aston Martin or a Lamborghini. No, I have never cared about cars. Okay, I mean, I I don't think you have to care about cars to ever want something luxurious like that. But nothing, never. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you still made it half interesting, but not really. So thank well, you. Well, what's your dream car? I've always wanted a Lamborghini. And I, I effed up because when I first met my wife in Orlando, she bought me like a Groupon to where you can drive one, like around a track somewhere. And for some reason, I I, I didn't do it. And we ended, wow. up giving, we ended up giving it away to somebody else. Uh, like one of her friends or something. So I, I could have at least gotten in it, probably gone up to 150, 180 miles an oh, hour. Oh, you could have driven it, not just ridden with somebody else in it? No, like I, I mean, from what I understood, I could have driven it. So Wow, you fucked um, that up. I did. I mean, obviously my dream would have be able to get into a Formula One car, but I'm not even sure I could get my ass in the cockpit of one of those things, let alone be able to drive it successfully. So it's all good. Look, I think that Formula One has way too many kind of sexual innuendos. So the cockpit, he's in the pole position. <laughs> That's all racing, man. That's not just Formula One. Nobody talks about being in the pole position in NASCAR. He's first. They don't have to class <laughs> yeah. it up with special words. Oh, he's in NASCAR. the pole position. You mean he gets to start first? Listen, I'm not going to hate on NASCAR. It's uh, to turn left, going 200 miles an hour. He's still got to be talented. However... Give me cockpits, pole positions. I'll take that all day. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> uh, are we at our top five, or do you have another one? No, we're we're ready to roll. Okay, Literally. so our, our our top five is top five worst car sounds. What's your number five? There's a lot of really bad sounds yeah. that a car makes. You're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I hope us saying these brings back terrible memories for some of you out there. Oh. Um so I'm going to start with my number five, and that is uh, basically slowly hearing the air go out of one of your tires. Oh. It is. And, and you can be driving. You can be feeling the tire up. You can be trying to check it out. But when you just hear that, oh, you know and then it just, fucked. oh, you're fucked. And it is, oh, it's so deflating because then your mind just goes to, you know, do I have a spare? Do I have a jack? You know, if you're at the dealership or whatever, it's like, well, then I have to spend $800 on new tires. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible sound. Oh, yeah. Because that's just like, how much is this going to cost me? Yeah. How much is this going to cost me? And it's because just endless complications, too. I pro change a tire, new cars, maybe four new tires. Yeah. Pro Ooh. tip out there for all of you who may not have a car yet, uh, tires cost a lot more than you think they do. Yeah. That's why I buy cheap cars, man. I can go get four new tires for the car I have. It cost me four hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, but that's that's. I mean, okay, that's not expensive, but it's not. I bad. mean, but when you're you know when you're a young person or even an old person, you don't have that kind of income, and you're like, well, I have to now find four hundred fifty dollars so I can drive my car. Like, tires are expensive, man. But it connects you to the road. You got to be watching out for them. Uh, my number five is a seatbelt alarm. It just annoys the <laughs> crap out of me because I'm gonna put it on. Just let me do it at my pace. Those are, I mean, they are terrifying. And it's just ding, ding, ding. Because it just so won't bad. go away. It's like I'm doing yeah. something. Oh, it's terrible. It's, it, yeah, it, it's by far, uh, yeah, that's probably the most annoying, like, not, her, like, non-harmless sound in a car, I bet. Uh, I have one higher on the list that I would say is the most annoying non-harmless one. Or not like that's that means something's like it's not something bad necessarily like something's not wrong with the car. Uh, what's your number four? When your air conditioning or heat goes out, and you can just hear the vent just tick, 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 and nothing comes out, and you're like, "Is there a bomb in my engine? Wait, why isn't there any air coming out? Why does it sound like there's a a monkey in there just fucking around? You know, just hitting the thing over and over and over again. It's just a shitty sound." 
There go was four, one. just go four sixty air, man. I don't even know what. Oh, what? Just roll down the windows. Four windows down at sixty miles an hour. <laughs> four sixty air. You never heard four sixty air? I haven't. No, but it's. <laughs> Uh, it's the worst, man. Because, uh, yeah, I don't have to explain why, but it's just not a good sound to have when you're driving or in a car. What's the fastest that you will drive with your windows down? Oh, I mean, trust me. I Well, I haven't had any <laughs> air conditioning in my car ever, actually, since I was in Florida. So, I mean, oh, I, wow. 85, I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go on the highway with it. It's fine. I would never. I'll, the most I'm going to go is, like, busy arterial street. I think people know what I'm talking about, right? It's like the main street that's not a highway. Oh, no. I'm not going over 45 with my windows down. I will say this, though, that somebody commented. I used to have my hand, like, out the window. And somebody once commented on how bad that made me look. So now now I don't put my hand out, out of the window anymore. What do you mean your hand out the window? Like, how far? Like, it's just resting on the windowsill? Or, like, you're sticking it out there? Like, you're... Yeah, you know, like you have it out or you have it hanging over the side of the door. No. I know. I get it now. I get it. I don't do it anymore. It was a lesson that needed to be learned, and I learned it. You just have your hand hanging out the door? (laughs) You know what? I should have learned after I got stung by two bees within a week doing that, by the way, because I was driving, and literally one of them – I mean, this is with years ago, but I was driving and I I felt a something in my arm. I look and there's a damn bee stuck to it going down the road. Why did you start doing this? What was once again? It's kind of like what we mentioned earlier, or what we were talking about earlier. My parents did it, so somewhere mm. in me, I just, I started to do it, and then somebody along try the way co- try to be cool like dad. Well, you know, he he probably had a sig in his hand though. At least he had a reason. I that I sense. didn't so. I did have a truck one time that the door got bent and I had to climb out the back window. Like, <laughs> like I had to get it in and out of the back window of the car. It had like a little, I don't know what they call those on a truck, but you had like the back window could spread apart. Yeah. And I had to get in and out through the back window. Like on a regular basis? Oh, yeah. That was the only way in or out. Jesus Christ. I'd do what I had to do. Like I didn't give a shit. It was kind of fun. All right. All right. What's your number like getting four? getting in like a, like a spy movie. Like jumping in the back. Uh, my number four is a loud exhaust. I hate a loud exhaust. I can't stand that sound. So that's actually my number three. I so I don't. I've never driven around with one, but obviously you hear them all over. It's just there's so many things you can do to mitigate that, and people don't for whatever reason. I've never understood the idea of like upgrading it just so that this exhaust sounds louder. If you do yeah. something to the car that makes it faster or handle better, okay, that's one thing. But just going in there and be like, nah, man, I'm going to pay 100 bucks so this thing sounds twice as loud. It just makes no sense it at makes all. makes no sense to me. Uh, my number three is the scrape of hitting a curb. Like when you hit it and it's that like, and you everybody like, oh, man. he just checked it. Dude, we have – so my number two – is pulling into a parking spot and, like, running over the parking block or the curb. Oh, like hitting it with the front? Yeah, and then you have to, like, put it in reverse, and it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so bad. It's Man. so terrible. I live in a place, Seattle, where there's a good amount of bad drivers, like a good amount of, like, oh, my God, that person can't drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Seattle used to be pretty bad with traffic, so you wouldn't really get going that fast that much, and I don't think that people were accustomed to that now that the speed has kind of increased and you can move around pretty well. But I saw somebody, like, pull just flat-out turn, completely miss where they were trying to go, like the driveway, and just bash right into the curb. <laughs> and, like, gung, And then when the car goes up, and then, like, gung, Oh, that's a terrible oh. sound hitting a curb. Is that your number yeah. two? That's my number two, yep. My number two uh, is when you start the car and it's already started. That like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that is, that's this terrible sound. That is terrible. That is, uh, yeah. Or like when you turn it off too soon, like before you put it in, in park or something on accident, and it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah, like you're still moving and you throw it in park and it just like, like <laughs> yeah, that's terrible, oh. man. Yeah, or, that's a bad one. Or like if you're driving shift and you mi- and you miss it the clutch or something, or just miss it in general, like and it just makes that grinding sound. Do you know how terrible. to drive a you know how to drive a stick? Not successfully. I feel like I I could. Um, 
it'd probably take me a half a day to learn. Uh, but yeah, I think I could. I know I could. Okay. So you've never driven one. This is the, you don't. Just, I've just, tried. Just, I've tried. Ah, uh, so then no, you don't. You don't I think I tried driving your truck one day. Um, oh, maybe. Every car I've ever had has been a stick shift. I'm pretty sure I drove it. And I, I'm pretty sure I almost... I were you had to be in it with me. Don't you remember this? I, I I missed the clutch and we didn't go uphill. We kept going back backwards. Oh, maybe I do remember this. Or maybe you like drive it. And maybe like, you were oh, doing something and like you asked me to bring you your. I don't remember, but I remember being in your truck and just biffing it in the in an Orlando parking garage. Oh, I know what this was. You did me a favor. I was out of town or something like that, and you moved my car, and then oh, somebody cool. else had to do it because you didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, why is this fucking thing going forwards? And it was, it was bad, man. It's not. A, it's not, not a lot g- of people who can drive stick now. Uh, okay, what's your number one? Oh man! Every time this happens, uh, I, I just my stomach turns into knots. And that's when the gaslight comes on. Mm, I could see yeah. that as being a number one. Uh, my number one is silence, because that means your car is not working. <laughs> Silence is the worst car, I, worst sound that a car can make. I appreciate you for that, but uh, no, I it's I used to be so paranoid of the gaslight that when it came on, I I I got to the nearest gas station no matter what I was doing, like you know, because you have what like forty miles. Most cars have forty miles left Call or something. It, yeah, yeah. As soon as I would come on, I would book it. Like like I was like literally gonna the engine was gonna die and seize. If I didn't get it to the gas station. Oh, you panicked. I panicked. I did. You weren't just precautious. You were panicked. No, I'm, yeah. And then I met my wife and she's like, dude, you're an idiot. Like it can be on for like 40 miles. You have nothing to worry about. Um, Oh, you didn't know that? I know. I, that is something I did not learn until I, (laughs) God, I'm going to sound like such a terrible person. I also did not know that the arrow on the, Gas, you know the 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 gas me the gas yeah. gauge tells you which side your um you know your gas is on your uh, fuel tank. I would make fun of you, but I didn't know that until I was probably in my mid twenties. Yeah, I mean that would be me, but you know late twenties, twenty six, twenty seven. I had no idea. If I remember right, like I took a picture of it and like posted something to social media, and everybody else was like, "Oh yeah, idiot." You didn't know that? Like, every, I thought I had stumbled across some great discovery. My, my wife, my wife was like, "Yeah, you've you've lived twenty five years without ever knowing that. How I, did you ever live?" I had <laughs> I no like, idea. I had no me. idea that's what that was. But now I look at it every time and feel smart. Yeah. Well, me too. How many have you ran? Have you ever fully ran out of gas? Never. And if I ever do, you might as well just hit me with your car because that means that I've given up on life. Mm, I did one time. One time I completely ran out of gas because I wanted – I was traveling across the country and I wanted to be like, I wonder how f- close I can get this down. Like, I can, I can make that. I can make that. Nope. I, didn't, I didn't make it. <laughs> no, you didn't. But you're here to tell the story, so it's good. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. The car just kind of sputters out and you, you like pull over and you're like, well, I guess I'm walking. <laughs> there we go, walking. It was a long walk. It's funny. Uh, what's in your honorable mention? There's tons of them, man. Yeah, I'll name just a couple that grind my gears <laughs> specifically. Uh, one is the grinding of your brakes when they're gone. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the pads are down. You hear that. like Yeah. Uh, and you're like, my engine's going. And then you go to the dealership or the mechanic. And they're like, no, actually, your brake pads are just gone. Uh, what's more annoying than that, though, is like hitting the brakes and them squealing. That's pretty annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll yeah, put that's, that one up there. That's bad. Uh, also, <laughs> th- this doesn't pertain to everybody at all, but um, I-, I once had a car that the gas cap, I couldn't get it on. So for like a year, I would drive and it would just hit the side of my car. Tink, tink, tink. That's quite annoying. I could put on a really specific one in the sense that, um, God, I just literally forgot what it was. I was saying what it is. Oh, I would put on, okay. I would put on there the sound of your door closing half a second after you realize you left your car keys in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's too. Well, you're like, God dang it. Well, 
nowadays when you do that, the the vehicle makes a, a noise. It'll like beep at you that you left the keys in the car. Oh, I don't have that kind of car. Well, I know you drive a, I don't know, a Danger Ranger or something. Drive a Subaru Crosstrek, absolute base model, twenty two grand. Great car, by the way. God, you're such a you, you're such an outdoorsy guy. A Toyota Highlander, a uh, hi, uh, what would you say, Subaru, Subaru Crosstrek, baby. Yeah, same thing. So good for you. I can, yeah, I can drive all over the place with that. Um, I don't appreciate. I don't like the sound of a real car horn honk. Not like a hey Jimmy car horn honk or like a <laughs> like a, I'm pissed off when somebody lays on it. Car alarms. I generally hate the sound of car alarms. More or less the old school ones. I mean, nowadays, once again, I don't think I've I've heard a new vehicle, uh, a newer vehicle with an actual car alarm. I don't think I have. I don't think anybody ever pays attention to them. No. Even your own car alarm, you're not running out there being like, what is it? <laughs> What's going on out here? Oh, okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance... Leave us a quick review. Doesn't have to be some big thing. Just a couple of quick words. It really helps out the show. And let us know what you think are some of the worst car sounds. I can't stand loud noises. I hate loud exhaust. And when somebody's just laying on that horn. But I really think that the worst car sound is just nothing at all. Let us know what you think, though, are some of the worst car sounds to hear. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.